Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cut to the Chase Bengals Blitz. I'm your host, Chase Shots. Got my boy, Justin Lacey, to the right. Justin, what's going on with you? I'm doing pretty good, my man. Uh, it was a tough game coming off of Sunday, but you know what? We got a short week to turn around, and it's time to focus on the Ravens now. Indeed it is, man. Uh, so tonight, we were going to have uh marissa mcbride on the show from up and adams but she's feeling under the weather and we're going to reschedule with her later on down the road um you know that that's going to be a very fun episode to have her on whichever we whichever game we decide to have her on for hopefully the Bengals can rack up some wins before she comes back on the show but we appreciate her um you know if you're watching the video like and subscribe to us on youtube uh if you're listening to us make it a favorite on the podcast you know, Apple, Spotify, Google, whatever. There's again so many places to find your podcast. Um, you know, coming off a, a rough week, a rough Sunday, um, the Bengals losing to the Texans 30 to 27 in very, very dramatic fashion. Um, you know, we talked about all the stuff on the roaring reactions. If you guys want to go check that out, uh, it's also on YouTube as well and all the other podcast places uh, on the Run Through the Jungle Network. Um, looking at the AFC North standings, the Ravens lead the uh, lead the division at seven and three. They're two and two in the division. The Steelers second place at six and three, two and zero oh in the division. The Browns third place at six and three, and they're two and two in the division. And we sit at last place at five and four, zero oh and two in the division. We knew those games were going to play a big part in that. Uh, just to kind of set the stage, Baltimore wins. This keeps them in first place for Thursday. But if Cincinnati wins, it puts them one game out, actually a half game out. Well, one game out in this scenario, but it makes Pittsburgh and Cleveland, the winner of that game, would move to first place if the Bengals win on Thursday night. Um, you know, Justin, there was a lot of weird things that happened this week in the National Football League in general. Uh, a lot of teams, a lot of teams lost that, you know, you wouldn't think would lose, but Again, that's the any given Sunday mentality in the National Football League that makes the NFL such a very unique uh, league to to watch. So you're looking at it. Um, the Ravens are the two seed in the conference. The Steelers are the five. The Browns are the six. The Texans are the seven. The Bengals are the eight. Um, just what what can, what is your makeup of uh the rest of the division at the moment, because a lot of, again, a lot of weird things have happened. Yeah, for sure. I'll start off with the division and I'll kind of expand out to the AFC as a conference. The division is so wide open still. I get it. Baltimore has a one and a half game lead on everybody. Technically speaking, they haven't had a bye week yet, but let's just think best case scenario here for a second. If you're the Bengals, you do go on, go on to win the Thursday night game. It sets you up back into the, the race to win the division number one, but it sets you up pretty nicely down the stretch. So to kind of take the league by storm, you got back-to-back games against Pittsburgh, not consecutively as you already know, but you got a home game against Pittsburgh who haven't been able to be productive on offense all season long. Um, even though they're six and three right now, it feels like fool's gold with them, but they are just so relentless on defense. And Mike Tomlin is just a wizard as a head coach that that's why they are where they are. Uh, they tend to go against teams that have a lesser sort of aura to them. And then they're just able to build on their morale and overcome what they overcome to be able to trap those teams into their to their Steeler brand football. So that's how they usually get to where they are, even though it's kind of frustrating. 
for Cleveland, you still don't know what to really make up of this team. But I will say one thing about this team, that they're a great defensive team and have a great rushing attack. Deshaun Watson, who knows what he's going to ultimately be nowadays down the stretch. Um, I tend to not buy any stock within him, but I do buy stock in that rushing attack. They still sport one of the better O-lines in the game, and their defense is legit. Miles Garrett, he's going to have a big-time test up on Sunday against Pittsburgh because he is one of the main guys to be considered for defensive player of the year. But if I'm a Browns fan, I got to look at that with much more careful scrutiny because each time Miles Garrett plays on the same field as T.J. Watt, and I've made this observation several times, T.J. Watt tends to always have the better day. And this time, he has to show on the same field that he's going to be the one to be the game wrecker and not T.J. Watt. So that game is going to be very critical for the Bengals. And if you have any sort of rooting interest between the two teams, who cares who wins that game? Because you got to focus on this Thursday night game against the Ravens first and foremost. But it sets you up in prime position to just go ahead and make another four or five game winning streak run like you just did before losing against the Texans. So that's the best case scenario for it. The worst case, obviously, if you lose this game, it basically just puts a nail in the coffin to your hopes of getting the division title, of course. And if you do lose against the Ravens on Thursday, you probably don't deserve to win a division in the first place. That doesn't mean that you don't deserve to be in the playoffs. You still are a playoff caliber team. You're still a team that can go on and make that magical run if you get all the right things together for yourself. But at five and five, all hopes were kind of lost at that point. You're talking about Baltimore sitting at eight and three, Pittsburgh or Cleveland. They're going to be now a game and a half up on you. But I still like the Bengals' chances to still make the playoffs until they're mathematically eliminated. But it just doesn't look good for you if you lose this game because you're now 0-2 against the AFC South. You're now going to be 0-3 against the AFC North. And you got another AFC North team coming in your house the week afterwards, even if you're going to be on a 10-day break period. So it's a lot to make up of when you think about the division of it itself. Now let's go into the AFC as a conference. It is still wide open. No one's running away with this as a favorite. If you're the Bengals, do not let the Texans' recent loss discourage you from that because a lot of teams lost that they shouldn't have lost, Baltimore being one of them. The Bengals, the Ravens, and the Chiefs really got the stranglehold of those are the teams that really you don't really want to see those teams in the playoffs if you're any other conference. I get it. Houston just beat us, but – I would like my chances a second go around time against the Texans if we were to see them down the road in the postseason. But mm -hmm. I just don't really buy into any other team that is really strong, that's going to make a strong push outside of those three guys when they're playing their best ball. Unfortunately for the Bengals, we're just playing in a tough division where the Steelers and the Browns just keep winning. <laughs> you know, that just tends to be the case. Um, Jacksonville, I still really like. Don't get me wrong. I know they took a ugly ale against the 49ers. But that's a 49ers team that just they're coming off of a bye. They were sped on all for the all throughout their bye on coming off of a three-game losing streak. They just added Chase Young to rejuvenate their pass rush. So it's just they they were bound for a pretty big trap. Now I didn't think they were going to lose that bad, but it happens. We've already mentioned briefly the Buffalo. Actually, I don't think we mentioned the Buffalo Bills. We mentioned that off air. But Buffalo took a pretty ugly loss. Not ugly in terms of score lopsided um, defeat, but they took a pretty, a pretty ugly looking loss to where, man, now you got to question 
do they need to build this thing back from scratch again when it comes off? They just fired their offensive coordinator. I'm sure we're going to get into that a little bit, maybe. Um, Ken Dorsey, he's out. Joe Brady's taking over as interim OC for them. Mm-hmm. They can't run the ball still, even though James Cook looked pretty good on Monday night. But if you're the Buffalo Bills, it's just a lot of I don't know what to make of you. And if you're the Bengals, you don't want you better be glad you're not them. They got an even tougher stretch coming up. And you know, we'll see how the rest of the teams, if they rise to the cream of the crop. I am paying my eyes on Houston Texans right now because not only did they just beat us, but DJ Stroud, he is putting the league on notice. So I am thinking pretty highly of them. But at the end of the day, if you're the Bengals, just temper your temper your yourself right now that you don't have to get so up in arms and emotions. I had to learn that myself over the last couple of days after just watching us lose. But after seeing the rest of the, the league happen and the breakdown that it took, I'm actually okay. I think the Bengals can write the ship. And that's I'm I'm gonna end it on that note before I let you take over. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think um I think us being in the city, because we're both in Cincinnati at the moment, I think it it does make it a bit stressful and everything because you got people all around us that are like, Man, the Bengals are are in, we're in trouble. It's this or that, you know, like there's a lot of stuff that that comes with that. But you know, I mean, why does it feel like every single time we lose that it feels like the world is ending because Uh of the first four games of the season we put ourselves Mm -hmm. in a one and three hole and this is something else i want to talk about so think about it we put ourselves in a one and three hole then we went to going into the bye week we come out of the bye week and we beat the niners and bills and everyone says we're back and then we lose the texans if you're thinking about it what what did we all say when we were three and three? Like, well, actually, when we were one and three, I'll go back to that. We said, yeah. win these next two games and let's get to the bye at three and three. We do that. Right. We get to right. the, we're, we're in the bye at three and three. All right. Now, before the Ravens game, because that's the game that everybody has circled, and we're going to talk about that in, in, in just a little bit uh, specifically. But what was the notion that the Bengals go two and one? We either split with the Niners and Bills, and then we beat the Texans and go in the Thursday night football against the Ravens. Mm-hmm. It it didn't go that pattern, but we still went two and one. We beat the Niners, we beat the Bills, and we lost to the Texans in a really and I'll just say it, a really weird game. It yeah. it wasn't the order that us fans or anybody really expected because once we beat those two teams, it's like we can beat anybody in the national football league. And it's a sure. big, it's a wrench that's thrown into it when you lose a game like that, but you got to give props to the Texans for coming out with a, with a great game plan and they executed everything possible. It's we went out and we went two and one in the stretch, but we already knew Regardless of what we did, even if we went three and zero out of the bye week, that this game against Baltimore was going to be absolutely massive. It was, and you know what? Let me let me just add a couple of things to that of what you just stated about Mm -hmm. this two and one stretch here. Um, The fan base it seemed like that the reason why they operate with this the world is going to end mentality after every single loss, even though. If we look back on that game, it wasn't as bad as of an L that we've taken. Sure, we just didn't play out to our standards, and it was very frustrating to lose that game. I meant it, I said that on the wrong, wrong reaction show. But this fan base was very spoiled over the last two seasons, more specifically last year, going on that 10-game winning streak. 
where we were talking about there could be a potential loss here or here during that time. But the Bengals still right at the hip and ended up proving everybody wrong. Like we won out. And I think that people are just applying that metrics and setting those high standards, moving the goalposts. When every time that we were to win, they said, okay, well, we shouldn't lose this and we should go be able to win. Like there was bound to be a slip up somehow. I basically define it as you try as best as you can. I had to think about this after the reaction show that we did. And now I had to finally define it as use the old Tom Brady mentality here when they lost to the Super Bowl against the Eagles in 2017, the Nick Foles Super Bowl. Mm, no. You know, he basically said, you know, you you do your best. You work as hard as you possibly can. But even then, you still don't always win. Sometimes the other team just has a good day. And that's not a, saying that as a knock again on Houston because I think they're a great team on the rise. You know, I mean, I don't want to put them in a great category yet, but they're 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 a pretty damn good team on the rise. But yeah. I think that the fan base has just been so spoiled off the last couple of years, and then the magical runs that Burrow has been doing that we just expect them to be perfect all the time. And the reality is that there's going to be games like that to where Burrow throws a couple of picks, but he's still fighting and clawing his way back into the game and trying to do everything to win the game. It happens. So, yes, it. we thought that maybe the loss probably came against the 49ers because that would have probably been, eh, you know what, it's an NFC opponent. Um, I just think that because it's another AFC law and we've only won one game against in the conference, I think that they're just feeling that immense amount of pressure there. But I, I think that explains a little bit more of like why we feel like that the world is ending and that every single loss that stacks on top of it just feels like that uh, stick a fork in the rest of the season. You know, what did everybody also say last year? If we would have beaten the Steelers in week one, then we would have paid the one number one seed. Here's the truth. The fact of the matter is reality fans. No, we wouldn't have. Okay. You still got to play the rest of the season. You don't know what type of adjustments the teams make regarding your record and your position in your landscape. What type of adjustments would have had? What if we would have won that week one game, but lost the game that we played the second time we played Pittsburgh with Kenny Pickett starting his run? Anything could have happened, man. So just play your schedule. Just play to the play to the best of your ability, and then you'll see where the chips stack where they fall. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better. And it's just – I mean – it, it is frustrating seeing, you know, how the Bengals, them going on a run like that. But again, you're not going to win every single game. A 10 game win streak is it, it doesn't happen every single day. It doesn't happen every no. single year. That that stuff doesn't happen. It's it, you know, like I said, just weather the storm, get through it, stack up some wins. You can't win. You can't go six and two. On Thursday night, you can only go one and zero or zero and one, and we obviously right. want to go one and zero in this one. We're going to take a really quick break, but we're going to come right back and we're going to talk some game notes and keys to success for the Cincinnati Bengals in a crucial Thursday night football game against the Ravens. We'll be right back. All right, and we are back to the cut to the chase Bengals blitz. Um, just a couple of game notes between the five and four Cincinnati Bengals and the seven and three Baltimore Ravens. Game will be played on Thursday, November 16th 
at 8.15 p.m. on Amazon Prime. Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreet, Kaylee Hartz, I'm going to be on the call. Maybe Al Michaels have a little more pep in his step or pep in his voice, that is, because it seems as though he's just kind of lulling through the walking dead and everything. <laughs> but, you know, and, and Kirk Herbstreet, you know, awesome. But uh, a couple notes. This is – I don't want to sound like the bad cop in this mode, you know, it seems, you know, throughout this, the first 15 minutes of this episode, you know, I've, I've kind of been like the bad cop and Justin's been like the good cop reassuring. And that's definitely not what I'm trying to do. It's just I, I have a lot of a lot of primetime demons I have to get out of my head. And they've been exercised for the most part, especially with the Sunday night football game that Burrow and the Bengals ended up winning against the Bills. They got exercised in that one. But I'm going to read a couple of notes here. The Ravens won the first meeting in week two by a score 27 to 24. This was the game where Joe Burrow was not 100 percent, not nearly 100 percent. And the Bengals still only lost by three. Their offense got going uh, late in the first half when they moved down and they ended up getting a field goal after Charlie Jones had his long touchdown return, which happened to be the first touchdown of the Bengals season this year, believe it or not. Um, we went down almost, you know, we scored a field goal. Jamar Chase almost caught a back shoulder fade route, which again is Burrow and Chase's specialty in, in that regard. But, um, you know, they settle for a field goal. And then the first drive out of the second half, we move down the field on offense. Burrow throws an interception to Geno Stone, who actually leads the league in interceptions. He has six this year. He's been balling, but it's an uncharacteristic throw that Joe Burrow would normally zip through or normally just wouldn't attempt. And it threw an entire wrench in the plans of the rest of the game. But what happened after that? The Bengals were in a hole. They were down by 10 consistently the rest of the game until we ended up losing by three. But what did we do? We went down the field and we scored a touchdown. We scored seven T Higgins. Then the next drive, we ended up getting stalled on, I think Burrow suffered his only his one and only sack that game against the Ravens team that pressures the quarterback and sacks the quarterback. I believe the most in the national football league, we allowed one sack to an injured Joe Burrow in that game. The offensive line has to step it the You know what up because they have been getting absolutely bullied and it's, it's bad. Now I'll say this. All right. Um, in that game, because there's a lot of reference to that game. There's a lot of things that have changed since that game. You know, players that are in or out. Uh, schemes that have been changed here or there. These two teams know each other very, very well. Um, but a big thing is the Bengals were moving. They were doing their thing in the second half. Like me and Justin were talking about time. Time, time, time. Time of possessions with the Ravens win. And the the last two times that Lamar Jackson has played against Joe Burrow, because I think it's getting a little smoky in here. I don't know where Lamar Jackson's at, because you said, Justin, maybe Lamar's ducking the smoke like he did the last couple of years. I don't know. But regardless, this is the first time that Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson have played each other twice in one season. This is Joe Burrow's fourth year. This is Lamar Jackson's sixth in the National Football League. Um, Lamar Jackson, three and one overall against Joe Burrow. They can throw the seven and one numbers out there, uh, you know, about him against the Bengals. But four of those matchups were against the Bungles. We could say that. And then four, you know, out of the four matchups that Lamar has played Joe Burrow, he played once in 2020. And that was against a very 
just broken Cincinnati Bengals team in Joe Burrow's rookie season. 2021, the Bengals walk into M&T Bank Stadium and beat the living breaks off of Baltimore in the second half and win by 24, and that's where we put the league on notice. Then, in 2022, last year, Sunday Night Football, the Bengals go up late after a you know not that not that great of a performance, but they go up late in that game, 17-16. Baltimore has the ball last and wins the game off of Justin Tucker's leg. And then this year, the Bengals fall behind, but the Bengals battle back, but Baltimore has the ball last, and they end up closing the game out. Joe Burrow has not been swept by the Baltimore Ravens or the Pittsburgh Steelers. The only team he was swept by was the Cleveland Browns, and that was in 2020. So post Knee injury, Burrow has not been swept. I will knock on wood for that measure. Now, since 2011, the Ravens are 15 and 2 in home primetime games. Since 2006, the Bengals are 1 and 20 on road primetime games. Two completely different sides of the spectrum. But I will say this before Justin talks, because I know Justin has some things to say. Before we talk about keys to success and everything, Joe Burrow and the Bengals exercised the 31-year playoff drought demon, and they won. Joe Burrow exercised the Sunday Night Football demon on NBC, and they won. Joe Burrow's 0-4 in primetime games on, you know, on the road. But every single road primetime game, there's two playoff games and there's, you know, two regular season games against divisional opponents. The Bengals were in the final possession of every single game. It just happened that the Bengals did not have the ball last in those games. Justin, what do you have to say? So I'm actually going to go, let me start off with the week two game. Um, and then I'll continue one based off of a lot of the stuff that you had stated, because there's a lot of fa- this, this facts in there. Okay. Mm-hmm. I do want to add context for those Raven fans out there. Please do. Please do. They we, need to hear the context. We, they, 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 and, and some will be favorable, but then as we continue on with this spiel, then it's not going to be favorable for you, for your ears. What do you think? It's a Bengals podcast. Come on now. Well, yeah. I mean, but I will, <laughs> but I, but I'm not going to be one of those people that's just going to utilize this Burroughs injury as an excuse to why we lost that game, even though it is a, it was a fact. He was playing that game almost like he was in a straight jacket. Mm-hmm. But Baltimore was a down three starting linemen in that game. Ronnie yep. Stanley being most notable, Tyler Lindebaum being another. They were also down their main starting corner, Marlon yep. Humphrey. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Marcus Williams was also out during that game. Yep. Maybe one of the safeties. I think it was Marcus Williams. That I think was it out. was Marcus Williams. Yep. And they still ended up balling out and winning the game. Lamar yep. Jackson still overcame all of that. Now, we would have gotten a strip sack fumble on him had a penalty not have wiped it out. Um, and we it was recovered by our defense too. But in, at the end of in, the day, at the 25, at the 25, too. I'll say that, but at, at the 25, and the Bengals defense recovered. So with that being said, yeah, would have could have should have, but we didn't get mm. no turnovers like that on Lamar. We didn't get him to the ground not once. Yep. And that was also annoying, being that we were playing an offensive line that was missing three starters that day. They ran the ball well, and our defense played like that. They never saw Lamar Jackson before. So I still tip my cat to the Ravens for pulling off that victory where that was supposed to be our get-right game after we lost week one at Cleveland. And can I add this real quick? Like, just sure. to mention, the Ravens, they out of the other teams in the division, 
they are probably, and I don't, you know, I don't like any of the teams in our division. Like I, I don't, but I probably have the most respect out of Mm -hmm. them and they are, and the Ravens are, they're, they're a very good football team. And when guys are out, they have guys that step up and make plays in the place of their starters and everything. So I will mention that. Uh, yeah. Just keep going. Keep going. No, and, and that's that's very good to mention because they're one of the best next man up teams that I've seen in this recent years with this team. Them, I'll even give it to, uh, to the Tennessee Titans as another team. You know, prior mm-hmm. to, you know, they were missing a number of guys when we played them, and they put they beat the brace off of us too. So I, I give it to the respect that, that John Harbaugh has built. And the mention about the Ravens, I've always respected that organization, you know, from top to bottom. It's just been more of a the recency bias within the last couple of years where I just felt like that they've their fan base has really kind of implied this jealousy that the Bengals are good again. And they were insanely upset and pissed off at us because we beat them twice in 2021 and route to going into the Super Bowl. Whereas they've always had our number during the rebuilding years with late Andy Dalton and, you know, when Lamar Jackson first came in and then rookie Joe Burrow, as we mentioned. But prior to that, man, I've never had an issue with Baltimore being good. Never. You know, even when they were doing their pseudo rebuilding years and stuff like that under the late tenure of Joe Flacco, I've always had all kind of respect for them. Um, they were like that cool cousin, you know, that cool cousin where you you, you kind of admire each other. There was never really no no real big ownership like oh i got your number and stuff like that you know they'll get us one time and we'll get them one time but it just felt like ever since they got lamar jackson and you know they've kind of dominated a little bit before we got burrow and he started hitting his stride they kind of talked themselves up this ladder range of they've always had our number throughout all of our history within the matchups and that was never correct and never, that was it, the it part ain't. where it's, and, and that's where the part I always get frustrated with when it comes to Baltimore fans more than anything is because they've always thought that they were like Pittsburgh to us in the years past when they never were. Hell okay? no. Nah. Hell no. Nah. Let me mention this. Let me. Yeah, my fault. I didn't mean to cut you off, Justin. My no, fault. My good, fault. But let me mention this real quick to back up your numbers right there. The Ravens are 29 and 27 all time. This is one of the most symmetrical down the middle rivalries that's in the national football league right now and that's what i was going to bring up next the heads head okay i think we're thinking on the same mind the, the playing field right now you know what i'm saying oh yeah so- we we own it man we own it and now because the heads head matchup is damn near identical yeah obviously it spills a little bit more over to their side yeah but then that gives me a right nice little segue into lamar jackson's record against the Bengals. it feels a little hollow and this is where you brought up earlier that I need to capitalize on that because we were talking off air about it, but I, I'm going to bring it up online here. Mm-hmm. He, it feels like that he has been ducking the smoke of playing the Bengals twice a year. You know, last year, I know they were going to say, well, we, he was hurt. But let's just be real here. Was it a business decision as to why he was out the rest of those games in the last two years? Because what was I hearing before? He was playing at an MVP caliber level. And then Joe Burrow was playing at an MVP caliber level too. Now he doesn't have an agent to talk about these things with about making those business decisions. Maybe he was making those decisions, you know, with his close personal associate relationship, family members or whatnot, whatever the case it may be about like, look, you got to maximize your value. And guess what? I'm so happy for Lamar that he got his bag in the end. He deserves it, man. He's again, I had him in my top three quarterback when we did our rankings last week. 
But however, I am not going to hold that part back because it felt like, dude, you could have played a few of those games, even if you are hurt, especially with you're playing with how you're playing now as like you're playing like an actual quarterback as opposed to a guy that's running all the time. You could have played a couple of those, a few of those games. You know, I expected him maybe not the week 18 game against the Ravens. I'm sorry, against us last year, uh, the coin flip game, as we like to call it. But the playoff game, he could have played, in my opinion. But he didn't even join that fight on the team. The year before, the 525 game, I, I just felt like that he could have played that day. And I'm sorry, even though you haven't technically lost to the Bengals in Cincinnati, it felt like that if you would have shown up for any of those games, yeah, that record would have looked a lot, a little bit more of an even playing field at that point. So that's where I come to look at that. You know, I'm not faced by Lamar Jackson's record when he plays against the Bengals. And in fact, I think that the landscape evens itself out and it might do it this Thursday. So I'll, I get it. We got the primetime roll primetime walls right now. And the Ravens are really good on primetime. But I also feel like just like Lamar Jackson's record against the NFC feels like it's a little bit hollow to me. And I get it. He's beaten a shit ton of people, you know, over the years that he since he's been in the league, more specifically and most notably this season when he's beat the living hell out of the Lions and the Seahawks. But them boys in San Francisco are a little bit different. Uh, and, yeah, you can talk about your record against the NFC all you want to. It, you're not seeing the 49ers on a regular basis. You're seeing like some of those bottom feeder teams. And again, let's call a spade a spade here. He was missing for some of their losses when they played the NFC opponents like the Packers in 21, the Rams in 21, all that stuff. So you kind of have to take those things with a grain of salt a little bit because his availability was always in question. But he does perform when he is healthy. I do give him that. So I'm not really going to be phased by any of their records, their winning records. I know that they're going to be very theatrical come prime time on Thursday night, just like last year when we played them on Sunday night. But at the end of the day, I still expect the Bengals to show up and show out too. So it's a dogfight. It's an AFC North game. Joe Burrow, if you listen to his press conference today, he understands that both teams are fighting to win a division. We're not talking about second place here or third place here, even though we understand right now that we're last place. We're still fighting to win the AFC North because we understand that that's probably the best route and the safest bet to get into the dance and make a true Super Bowl run here. A couple more house cleaning items right there because that is all very, very true. Um, so I never, I never talk about rankings, uh, offensive, defensive rankings, because, again, numbers and stats can be skewed. But, you know, the Ravens, they're, they're very good in a lot of different categories. I will say they have the best rushing offense in the National Football League, the second best total defense. The Bengals are not good in a lot of categories, a lot of that being because of the first four games of the season. But since they've come out of the bye and everything, they've been really good in a lot of categories. Now, I do want to add two more things before we give like our players to watch and stuff. I just got word that Trey Hendrickson is in uniform for today's practice. They had a night practice at 630. He is in uniform and he is practicing tonight. That is needed. So, that is absolutely needed. Trigger I don't trade, know. Man. Let's go. <laughs> I don't know what. Um, I don't know if he's limp. Probably gonna be limited if he's practicing. If he's practicing anything, he's probably he's gonna be limited. But, um, but he's out there in uniform. The Bengals are practicing tonight at this moment. So that is a very good sign. 
And then I also want to bring up a stat that I saw uh, earlier that one of my one of my friends sent uh, a little bit earlier. Um, record when scoring 23 points or more since 2011. Uh, the the Marvin Andy Dalton era. The Bengals are 58 and six and one when they score more than 23 points. In the Zach Taylor era, the Bengals are 31 nine and one when they score more than 23 points in a game. Uh, under Joe Burrow, the Bengals are 28 seven and one when they score more than 23 points in a game. What does that What does that mean? It means efficient offense. Fast start and keep your foot on the gas. But it says, you know, record under the Joe Burrow era. That's the player to watch on Thursday Night Football is Joe Burrow. You could talk about, and obviously it's going to come down to more than just Joe Burrow. It's going to come down to the defense and and getting some stops and and trying to maybe not force three and outs, but, you know, win the time possession battle and, and all that good stuff. But it's Joe Burrow, man. This is what the best players live for and play for are division night games on the road when your back is against the wall against every single metric possible to go out and defy all of the odds with players out. Joe Burrow has to be unbelievable on Thursday night football. He has to be to win this football game, in my opinion. Justin, player to watch on offense and defense for the Bengals. I do agree with the Joe Burrow moniker regarding that conversation. Yes, he absolutely has to be the main guy, but obviously he can't be the only guy. Indeed. indeed. So before I give my guy on offense um, for the player to watch, I do want to highlight a couple of missed opportunities from week two. Um, Mainly, it's going to be pretty obvious. Everybody know about the pick with Geno Stone. You know, he get, Geno Stone just made a great play with Burrow trying to, you know, get away with looking off the safety and trying to go backside to T. Higgins for the middle of the field touchdown. And Geno Stone saw that and read that perfectly. You got to not make Geno Stone look like Ed Reed, okay? <laughs> I like Geno Stone is what he's been doing this season. He has a lot of – I think he leads the league at safety with interceptions this year. Yeah. Probably well on his way to making a Pro Bowl now at this point, mm-hmm. um, respect of what he's built this season. But at the end of the day, he's not Ed Reed, okay? He's not Troy Palomalu. He's not Mika Fitzpatrick. Hell, he's not even Jesse Bates, who was just here in Cincy. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the guy, and I think that he's been doing pretty well for them so far. But you can't let him get the better of you this time around <clears throat> if you're Joe Burrow. The other missed opportunity that I wanted to bring up that a lot of people forget was Jamar Chase had a touchdown pass that was in his hands that was ripped out by the DB and it ended up getting called incomplete and they had to settle for a field goal, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. So that was a big one because if you were to just grab that on stranglehold on that TD, we're talking about a different ball game here. So I think another player to watch for me personally, and it is a little bit of recency by it based off of what just happened this past Sunday in Houston, Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd has been primarily known as a Ravens killer. Not necessarily he's putting up these gaudy stats like an A.J. Green or even Jamar Chase's first couple of matchups against the Ravens. Or T. Higgins. But Tyler Boyd makes the clutch plays, it seems like, every time. We think back to that late 2017 last game of the year uh, with Dalton on that 4th and 12th to Boyd. 
to mm-hmm. knock them out of the playoffs, to put Buffalo in the playoffs and make that kumbaya brotherly hood with the Bills fans and our fans. I think that's now gone out the window since then. Probably. But, <laughs> but Tyler Boyd was that guy that always seemed like he's consistently made plays and he's gotten in the, under the Ravens' skin. You got to be the one to show up this time around too if you're Tyler Boyd, and that's my player to watch. And I think he will. I know he wants to rebound after dropping that could have been game-winning touchdown pass last uh, this past Sunday. I know he wants to get back and show that he can go back and be that guy again. So, and I'm not giving him any sort of shade or blame for that, you know, trying to chastise his care. I know a lot of fans are out there just ruining him, saying that, oh, he, he we need to trade him. No, stop. Stop. That's ridiculous. Tyler yeah. has is he's put the organization on his shoulders since the beginning when he got here. He has never seen a winning season up until the Super Bowl winning. I mean, I wish the winning man, the Super I wish one season. We don't we all, man? man. And unfortunately, man, an uncharacteristic drop happens. It just does. It this is the NFL. Weird stuff happens across the league. We've seen Chase drop balls, we've seen Higgins drop balls, we've seen so many guys, we saw uncharacteristic fumbles. You name it, it's happened before. Okay, it just happened at the ugliest time of the day where everybody's eyeballs are watching and waiting for the big moment, you know, and you know, I, I'm not going to just criticize of what he's You know, everybody for those that's ripping them for not wanting to talk to the media and stuff, man, do you not know what players, the work that players put in on a weekly basis, on a daily basis to be mm-hmm. able to show up on Sunday and try to play their best ball. And if it, and that happens, all you're going to remember is that like, Oh, he didn't work hard enough. No, man. You got these players got to take care of their mental health, too, man. So he's definitely the player that I say keep your eye on for Sunday, along with the likes of Burrow and Chase and all that stuff. But that's that's my guy for me. And then you said defense, right? Yeah, defensive player as well. Defense is going to be tough, man. And I'm glad you broke the news about Trey Hendrickson practicing today. But the thing is, with the defense, you got to be able to stop the run. And it's going to be difficult being that the Ravens are one of the best rushing teams in the game. And if I'm not mistaken, I think they are the best rushing team in the game. They are. But that means that they're not impossible to stop. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sam Hubbard's presence was missing on Sunday. And it was clearly evident. Oh, yeah. However, you can't utilize that excuse. You just can't use that excuse. I'm sorry. Nope. Texans were missing guys too. And D'Amico Ryan's got them boys to show up. But so you got to do the same thing too. I know the obvious answer probably could be DJ Reader since he is our big time nose tackle plug up the middle. He can stop the run. But I'm actually going to go a different route, man. My player to watch, Miles Murphy. It's time for you to show up. I liked you as a first round pick. I thought that you were a hidden gem when we select you at pick 28. I still believe in that. I still think that you have a bright future ahead of you. But this is your moment where you got to grow up and grow up in a hurry. And I like some of the potential that you did when we were on our win streak. But now it's time for you to make big time plays here. I'm not saying you got to go out there and be like a Dafe away this game, even though that could be a really good comp for him. But you got to you got to go in there and just show that you can be not only just a Sam Hubbard replacement, but the future that everybody has linked that can see like the future is kind of happening now. That's the player that I need to watch to see that if he can actually bring it and if he doesn't bring it then you know what? You ain't ready to hit the limelight yet, bro. I mean, even as a first-round pick, I don't care where you're drafted at this point if you're me. I mean, if, if me personally. So I don't. I, that's my guy that I say, watch your eye on for him. Let's see if he can grow up now. I'm not going to move too far from 
the guys I'm watching, it's it's Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt. Um, That's a they, good pick, actually, too. They didn't have the best Sunday possible, I will say. I know Logan Wilson was in on, you know, a strip sack. I know Jermaine Pratt had about seven or eight tackles. They didn't have the best day possible. But they're going to be involved in stopping the run and covering Mark Andrews and spying for Lamar Jackson. They're going to have their hands full this Sunday. But if those two play at a high level and they're able to stop the run, even Mike Hilton in general, if they're bringing him off the edge or bringing him, bringing him on blitzes and everything, that's the, that's the middle. That's the meat and potatoes of your defense. Obviously, win the line of scrimmage. Don't get beat deep. But – the middleman, they gotta, they they gotta win their matchup, man, or their matchups. Because mm-hmm. I I gotta see Logan Wilson ball out. Jermaine Pratt has got to ball out as well. Those guys have got to be active around the football, and they've got to be making plays. And Mike Hilton, man, I mean, someone's gonna be a spy on Lamar Jackson, and Lamar Jackson's a very dynamic player. I we gotta we gotta trap Lamar Jackson almost like you're playing basketball and you got a guy trapped in the corner and he's got a triple threat try to pass it out of something we gotta box him in and let him dance and then dance till you fall and then go to the ground like we have yeah we got we gotta do our best with stopping the run and making Lamar Jackson make some sporadic plays if he makes some heroic ridiculous play it happens he's a great player. But as long as I know we stop the run there's or limit the run in that matter, then the Bengals are going to have a chance to win this football game. Well, speaking on that defensive side of the football, man, you got to you know, just get them to the ground. But do not let it be one of those situations on a recurring basis because this is what gets really frustrating when you play guys like Lamar. It's third and long. You've done everything you needed to do to cover off mm-hmm. your receivers downfield, but the rushing lane is wide open. He just runs for the first down anyway. That is very annoying. It's like, oh, dude, come on, man. Yes, I need somebody along with you to say, whether it's QB spy and it's tough because that means you're taking away a defender that can play coverage to just watch Lamar and wherever he goes. But the thing is, Lamar is really fast and he can outrun the spy too. Yeah. My personal feeling about when you play Lamar, I, I hate giving them this kind of credit because they're another division foe. Yeah. But I really love how Pittsburgh game plans for Lamar. Pittsburgh of- operates with the mentality that Mike Tomlin has implemented and instilled in him for the last few years. Mm-hmm. You respect him, but you don't fear him. Exactly. And it feels like each time that this you saw it the last time they just played each other. It seems like that similar to what Cleveland's dealing with, with Miles Garrett always having a lesser day between him and TJ Watt. It's the same thing every time I watch the Steelers play the Ravens. It feels like every time the Ravens and Steelers play on the same field, regardless of Big Ben era, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. Yeah. But it feels like that Lamar Jackson does not have that great of a day just naturally every time he plays this team. It feels like that Pittsburgh just trust and believe and has this mental toughness, this aura that where they don't care that Lamar's right across the field. Shoot, I got TJ White. I got Alex Highsmith. Mm-hmm. I got Cam Hayward. And I don't even think they even had Cam Hayward for that game when they played nope. Lamar the first time. Nope. And that just makes me think. And Joey Porter Jr. stepping up, intercepting Lamar in a red zone 
while he was covering OBJ, it's just filling up that confidence. Like, dude, y'all can't see us, and we don't care what down and distance the situation is. I don't care you got Lamar that he's the scrambling foe. Dude, we believe in our guys, and yep. we're going to start, we're going to naturally stop you. That's the thing that you got to carry if you're the Bengals defense. You got to stop making Lamar seem like he's bigger than what he is. And he's mm-hmm. a fantastic player. Again, he's in my top three. Yep. But you got top two sitting on your side of the field that they got a game plan for. And it seems like every time we go against the Ravens, the Ravens defense ain't scared of Joe. But you got to make them fear you. That's It's going to be one hell of a battle, man. But I just needed to add that nugget there regarding the Bengals defense, man, because it's they, they got to stop making these guys have great career-like days just because they're they're this person. We've yep. seen it too many times with Nick Chubb. Well, I've seen it over the years a lot with Antonio mm-hmm. Brown, De'Le'Veon Bell. Dude, I'm, I'm done with all of that, man. I don't care 100%. whoever they got on the field, man. You got to play against my guys. And that's where I agree with you wholeheartedly with Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt. You got to be the two to neutralize this guy naturally. Confidence is key. Confidence is key. It's simple as that. And one more thing before we get into some keys to success for the Cincinnati Bengals. So I think we're going to agree on all of these keys. Um, I, when the Bengals blitz Lamar Jackson, when, if, how often, we got to be successful at it. Mm-hmm. I, I'll say this. Like, dropping back and playing zone, Lamar is an NFL quarterback. He, he'll, he'll throw against the zone. Make Make him try to make some ridiculous throws against man-to-man with your young corners like CTB and Wondrago Turner and let them do their thing and play aggressive and not play scared. Because the last thing I want is for the Bengals to come out there and play scared and act like the Ravens are this big, bad bully with all the numbers that are coming out of there. And the Cincinnati Bengals have to go in there and get themselves a victory and say, you know what? I don't give a shit about what the numbers say. I don't give a shit who you are across the field, because like Justin said, we got nine, we got people, and we here for battle, and we're going to try to do everything we can to win a damn football game on Thursday night, and it's time. It, it's time to do it. It's time to lock yeah. in and play playoff football the rest of the way because I'm sick and tired of seeing the primetime shit that's gone on and everything. We have to win this football game if you mm-hmm. want to go somewhere in the National Football League, and it starts on Thursday night. It does. I am not going to add anything else to that. I agree 100%. Stephen A. Smith, I digress. I digress. But (laughs) keys to success for the Bengals. I think we can agree on these. Not, uh, I would love to run the football for 150 yards, but establish a solid ground attack. Keep it respectable. Because the Bengals are the worst run offense in the National Football League. One, you fall behind, and two, we are a you know better pass football team than we are run football team. That's that's facts. But we had 66 yards rushing week two, and we had 66 yards rushing on Sunday. We have to be a formidable rushing attack on Thursday night. We have to find ways to run the football at an efficient rate. Yeah. I would I would absolutely agree with that. And I think in order to do that, you can't just always be in shotgun running. Pull out a shotgun. You nope. got to get understanding. 
a good amount of the time too. You have mm-hmm. to create that that effective play action kind of style from under shotgun. It can be done. I've seen Joe Burrow do it. He yep. is very successful and very effective with it based off of his style of quarterbacking. But this is where you got to implement a little of that Tom Brady-like approach because every time I watch Tom Brady play the Ravens, even though the Ravens aren't wasn't really scared of the, uh, scared of play those Patriot teams in the years past, they still couldn't really beat them all the time. <laughs> so, and that's yep. because Tom Brady knew how to outsmart their defensive game plans a lot of the time. Joe is just very smart himself too. So, yes, in order to be uh, to establish a more effective running attack, you have to be able to play show way more capable of creative play calling from under center. But continue. I agree. Open up the offense and let Burrow and the boys work. Let them do their thing. Stop waiting until later in the game to unleash everything. We don't have much margin for error. The time is now. Waste too much time, and the Ravens are going to take all that time. That's a problem. Let Burrow work and open up this offense, which obviously means protect You know, protect Joe Burrow. That's obviously a that that's a staple in the Bengals community. We, we got to protect our quarterback, but let Joe, let Joe get out on the run. Let Joe create some plays. Do all that. Let just let him do his thing in this game, and hopefully the right thing. But let him do his thing in this football game. I'll say this: win early downs, get ahead of the sticks, make it third and manageable, third and short. Because again. Third down, we on defense, we gave up nine for 14 on third down against the Ravens in week two. That is unacceptable. The Bengals were actually 10 for 15. The Bengals on offense were 10 for 15. We were coming down. We were from behind the entire game. But if you make it third and manageable or third and short, you have a threat that, you know, Joe Burrow can throw it or run it. Or whatever happens, happens. The same thing could be said about the Ravens if they keep it third and short. But the Bengals, again, have to win the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football. And we have to make it third and manageable for us. And we got to make it third and questionable for the Ravens. That's going to be big going forward. And limit the ground game. 178 yards given up in week two. Last week, we 188 yards and 150 of them to Devin Singletary. The Ravens had three guys that ran the ball 10 times or more in that football game. It wasn't just one guy that dominated us. It was three guys that led an oligarchy of a run attack. And you got to be able, again, to win the line of scrimmage and not necessarily shut down the run game, but limit it and put the focal presence on Lamar Jackson's arm and play physical, aggressive football and try to win your matchup. Because if you win your matchups, you will win the football game. And along the lines of that rushing attack, do not, and I want to repeat, do not allow Keaton Mitchell to have an even more bigger career day than he's already had these last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. You already did it with Devin Singletary, who was a cast off from the Bills offense. Please do not allow that happen to Keaton Mitchell or Gus Edwards, or Justice Hill, and more specifically, obviously, Lamar Jackson. Indeed. Indeed. The coaching's going to be big in this one. It will be huge. It'll be Zach Taylor in the offense. It'll be opening up the playbook. It'll be Luana Rumo in the defense, getting these guys ready and getting these guys to get their confidence up and the players to find their confidence and having the right checks. 
the Bengals have to start this game off fast and put the pressure on the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson's arm because we've seen that when you play a team like the Niners that is that their first initial action is to run the football and you get ahead on a team like the San Francisco 49ers it I get Brock Purdy through for 365 and it was you know a lot of stuff later on in the game when the game was was pretty much open but again put that pressure on Lamar put that pressure Physically, put that pressure figuratively and put that pressure mentally on him because we've seen Lamar do some good things under pressure, but we've seen a lot of bad as well. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just have confidence, put the pressure on them and play with a lot of juice Thursday night football and the Bengals could come out on top. And I think they will come out on top if they do those things. Facts, facts. And if you're Joe Burrow, it's time for you to show them that, look, I love Lamar. I respect his game, but I'm the better guy. 100%. Any final thoughts? You know what? I almost had a bad thought, but I'm not going to leash it on the podcast. So I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to leave it at that. I think that just be embrace yourself for a dogfight of a kind of like a game. But the keys to victory is what we already illustrated here. So um, no, not adding any sort of demoralizing feels to it, even though I know it's right now it's in a lot of people's heads that, oh man, what if we don't win? Then that means that we just don't belong in the big dance in the end, you know? So at the end of the day, the division is up for grabs. Go out there and take it. That's, that's, that's all I got to say. Just go out there and take it and show the league, show this damn AFC North that we're still the big dog. We're back-to-back AFC North champions. We're on the cusp of going for a three-peat, something, something that no other team in the AFC North has never done. Put the pressure on them and win the damn game. Well, less than 48 hours till the Bengals take the field against the Baltimore Ravens. Hopefully, less than a couple 48 hours or so until the Bengals get a victory against the Baltimore Ravens. We'll see you guys next time.